0: Alright, welcome to episode one of the unofficial scorecard podcast, where we discuss all things in a shorter amount of time. I'm joined by my co-host Nick Benonsky here. How's it going, man? Doing well, man. It was a good fight last night. Some good fights, I should say. nice yeah man um you know it's our first episode here i think we're i can say for the both of us that we're stoked to finally launch this project and uh you know for the listeners nick and i go back since i think 2015 i think that's right um where we were slinging shoes at nordstrom together (laughs) Uh, we both worked in in women's shoes uh where we were um you know selling selling for that commission and um I don't think we realized like it took us a minute before we realized we were both big boxing fans, huh?
1: Yeah, it did, it did. It just uh it culminated over the weeks, you know. We started talking about I think it was a Pacquiao fighter, some big fighter, and then it all came together and mm. into this. So yeah. Yeah. A lot, yeah. lot more I mean, exciting than selling shoes, talking fights all the time. I'm just glad <laughs> to have you there.
0: Definitely. Likewise, man. Yeah. At I, I, one time we watched a Kodo fight together. I'll never forget that because I'd been watching fights alone so often because I didn't have any boxing friends. And I remember you and I finally met up. I think we went over to your place. You had some buddies over and we watched Miguel Cotto versus Canelo. That's right. Um, and that was a dope fight. That was a like great That fight. was hella fun.
1: Great fight. And super underrated when you look back at the bank of old fights and classics um actually Cotto put it on Canelo a little more just a quick note you know but that was like the coronation of what what mm-hmm. culminated in last night um it's just crazy he was a kid back then and now we see him blowing up into this undisputed world champion it was just
0: wild it was like 100% yesterday. Yeah, no, definitely. And, of course, we'll be getting into Canelo and his fight last night a little later here. Um, but I figured, you know, first episode, why don't we introduce ourselves a little bit, you know, let the listeners know who we are and, and why we care about the sport and uh, kind of what they can expect from the podcast. So if it's okay with you, I figured I'd start with asking you, you know, how did boxing become kind of a part of your world? How would you get introduced to it? Um, let's start with that.
1: Yeah, you know. It just came as a surprise, honestly. Uh, When I immigrated to this country from Russia in 94, my dad and I, we watched basketball. And I I think for many years, I pretended to love it. I I liked it. I just didn't fall in love with it. And then in between, I started watching a little boxing, you know, and uh, my dad would have a fight on here and there. And I actually got interested in that. I was like, oh, my God, I gravitated to the TV each time my dad had a fight on, which was like a rare occurrence so uh and my uncle also was a boxer himself um you know there's family Mm. ties there but also it's just it's just seeing it on screen man i was always just like moved by it you know it was so wild it wasn't like any other sport and it's it's combat it's just engaging Mm. you know and then i got into it myself when i was uh 12 years old and then on and off till about 16 and then i started taking it seriously again when i was 19. Um, so I've been boxing just, you know, training, nothing crazy, just some sparring and uh, a couple smokers here and there, but it's just been a great time. It's really added to my life. Um, I absolutely love boxing and could talk about it for several hours a
0: day. And to let our listeners know how dedicated you are, you just recently got a tattoo, right?
1: Oh yeah, I did. I did. And, and who did you get? I got Marvin Hagler here. We can see, uh, we can see if we can get him here.
0: He got a grayscale portrait tattoo of Marvin Hagler, Look at that. which is pretty cool, and it's great work too.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll have to upload that. You know, uh, <laughs> definitely, it's pretty cool, man. Thanks for bringing that up. I, I was pumped to get it. Marvin Hagler is one of my favorite sure. fighters. I'm sure a lot of our listeners know who who he is. One of the greatest middleweights. So, yeah.
0: Well, that's that's perfect segue. And my next question for you was, yeah. who is your favorite boxer, and why?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be a tie between Marvin Hagler and Roy Jones Jr. Um, you know, cool. Roy Jones Jr., I'll go over that first, just based on natural talent, speed, athleticism, reflexes, and entertainment value. I don't think I've ever seen a fighter before Roy Jones or after Roy, Roy Jones that can replicate that style. The way he mm. fights, it's brilliant. Using his feet and every angle of the ring, I mean... The guy's a video game character. If you look at his highlights, right? Yeah, and one hundred percent, it's just unbelievable. So I, I think just on athleticism and pure prodigal talent, Roy Jones, Marvin Hagler was a, a blue collar workhorse man. That guy was just a freight train. He would not stop. He's probably had like like a Jerry Rice style work ethic. You know, think like he worked out three times a day. Came from nothing. Didn't have the same promotion as Sugar Ray Leonard um and that's why he stood out to me he really built everything from the ground up and then when he did man we're talking 90 plus percent ko's running people down never takes a step back marvin Hagler. if you look at any of his fights Mm -hmm. against top champions the hearns fight um he doesn't the duran he doesn't take a step back he's always controls the center of the ring or pushes forward just a solid solid fighter the greatest middleweight ever in my opinion so nice yeah how about you man what's uh who's your favorite Whoa. tell me a little Jeez, about a, your your love for boxing
0: well what a breakdown hard to follow that But <laughs> <laughs> um you know and and that's why you know I, I chose to do this project with nick specifically because nick is he knows way more about boxing than i do and he's he's lived it and loves it and you know i just i think the passion we both share for it you know it was it was time to do a podcast for sure um but you know, I, I like you, I, I was actually drawn to it on T V as well, um, growing up. Uh it's it's when you'd flip through the channels and you'd see there was a fight on. I always had to stop and be like, Oh, who are these guys? What's going on here? Like that's just immediately what I was drawn to, um, which I loved. But to be honest, the love of it came from the history from from the classroom and the Muhammad Ali lessons. You know, that stuff really got me stoked to learn more about it, to learn that boxing was on every single Monday night back in the day in America when then there, there were so few channels, and that's just what people watched. Um, and I wish You know, there was something similar of that today. Of course, it's kind of faded into the background of all these other pro sports. But, you know, boxing has this huge, huge history in America that I think is a little overlooked often, but at least, you know, it brought us someone like Muhammad Ali, where it's like inside the ring and outside the ring ended up being something so much more gigantic than just a sport. Um, And so, yeah, ever since, since learning about him in the early years, I just all has been drawn to it and tried to, you know, follow the pros. And it wasn't until I really moved to the Bay area after college that it really, really sank in. And I think that's because Andre Ward, who's just such a hometown hero over there. Like I felt it the second I moved to the, to Berkeley, Um, you know, people just love that guy. They back their, Mm -hmm. their dudes, which is really cool. Um, And within, I think, you know, a year of moving there, I'd gone to see him fight at, at Oracle, you know, right away. I just thought that that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever been to. Um, once you go to a fight, you realize kind of like there's nothing else oh, like
1: it. Absolutely, yeah. At Oracle, I yeah, yeah, I remember going to a uh, to a ward fight at the Oracle. is pretty pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, you know, favorite boxer, jeez. This is such a hard question for me. I was thinking about this before we even, you know, went live today. <laughs> I got to say I I hate that this is my answer. I, I do, but I got to say Floyd Mayweather Jr., uh, because okay. that's such a, like, the most casual thing I know. But no, but I know I you just... don't
1: have a casual answer for why.
0: <laughs> Dude, I mean, geez, at, at night when I go to sleep, I put on a, a Mayweather fight, and I, <laughs> you know, turn off the light on my laptop, and yeah. I just hear it. And I get so excited about it. And I just—it's one of my favorite things to do—is turn on a Floyd Mayweather fight. Um, you know, he's built his own boxing stable, his own boxing clothing line. Um, he's a beast at defense. Like, he just gets me so excited about the sports. Um, whereas, you know, I have boys like Triple G, who I love, and uh, Muhammad Ali, that's always been an icon to me. And you know, a bunch of the new bucks, new guys that I follow. Like, I'm a fan of Rolando Romero, which I know you laugh at me because it's like, who the hell? says that um that yeah. Floyd Mayweather for me definitely gets me excited no matter what when and where it makes me excited to go to the city of Las Vegas um, I just think he he's such a good person for the sports um, that I think that's why why he is probably my number one
1: for sure for sure yeah. I listen I, I mean people can argue like myself about why Floyd maybe isn't the the greatest or whatever, but he is the best of this era. He solidified his position, and he's one of the few fighters that le- legitimately creates like moments of magic, usually on the defense mm-hmm. in his fights, where you do go back and you rewatch them, and you're like, how, like how did he do yeah. that? That's kind of like going back to Roy Jones when you watch his highlights. You know, like a quadruple left hook. Like what? Who throws that today? I mean, I, I, I do you know. <clears throat> with mm-hmm. Floyd, I mean, I was watching the uh, the the Delahoya fight because he just, mm-hmm. I mean, he rolled so many of De- Oscar's punches off his shoulders. It was like watching just like a choreographed movie. It's really just an unbelievable fighter, man. I, I don't I don't knock you at all. I got my thing with <laughs> Floyd, but but he's a special talent. You can't hate on the man. So absolutely.
0: Well, and I won't go on too much about Floyd here, but the other thing is, like, I'm drawn to the brawl fights. Like, I actually prefer, like, the punchers, the power punchers over, you know, the sweet science dudes. Which sure. I'm not a, a guy that's running around here being like, you know, TBE, TBE, and, you know, hit and not get hit. Like, I like to see blood and violence. Totally. Um, so it's still funny that Floyd's my favorite fighter. I just think that... Yeah. As as a spokesperson for the sport, he just does such a good job at getting people excited about it. Absolutely. um, Which is cool.
1: Absolutely. Check the whole pay rate of uh, how fighters get paid as well. But yeah, anyways,
0: we can talk about that all day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. All right. So, yeah, I thought we'd also, you know, say to our listeners, you know, what's the point of, of this project, you know, why did we want to do this and, and also, you know, what they can expect from the show. Um, You know, I, I had a couple notes here that I just, you know, memorized at this point, but I just think it's, it's, we're planning on doing a shorter show here, right? A lot of podcasts and radio shows, they can go on for hours and hours. And the ones I listen to, you know, I'll chime in for 30 minutes when I'm driving someday. And, and that's kind of it. Um, and I think the idea here is that we're giving smaller doses so people can realistically fit it into their schedule.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're just going to be here to deliver all kinds of non-biased commentary reviews on what just happened. These in the previous weekends uh these will fall on us we'll be doing these on sundays right
0: that seems to be the plan so far Yeah, which is
1: perfect because all most events are friday saturday you know with maybe one or two exceptions so we'll definitely be covering current events as they happen and i'm really excited to get it going man there's a lot to talk about
0: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, what you have here from the unofficial scorecard podcast is two hardcore fans that are going to really chop it up um, and get into the fights that, you know, you might not hear about on ESPN, or we may talk about the big fight from last night. Um, I think you'll get a real mix here of, of uh, you know, what, what boxing hardcore fans like to really get into. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for this, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and to even uh, build on that, something else that... You know, we, we noticed there aren't, it aren't discussed on podcasts a lot, is just the prospect watch. There's going to be a lot of fights mm. on ESPN with younger guys coming up. And you got to remember, you know, guys like Errol Spence, Jermell Charlo, they fought on Showbox. They were unknown just like five mm-hmm. years ago. So that's not a long time ago. All of a sudden, the top of the world. So, we're definitely going to look at guys, younger guys coming up in the game, and talk about who we think is the favorite to take over or become a contender or become a future world champion. I think that's important, too, to, to kind of keep an even playing field with the guys up top, guys in the middle, and also some of these guys to watch out for at the bottom that I know are going to be quality.
0: Well said. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I mean, that's what you and I have done during our friendship for years now, though, right, is we'll say, oh, have you heard about this guy or have you heard about this guy? And from that, we end up following these guys for years and they end up becoming the future of boxing. So, you know, I don't like to toot our own horn here and say that we're, you know, scouts, but in some way, we that that is the, what we're trying to do a little bit is, you know, who's going to be big, who's going to show, you know, be the new generation. And it's very cool to watch that journey of them going from, you know, Friday night boxing to Saturday night boxing. For basketball. sure,
1: absolutely. And this is, these are like fun gambles we have with each other, you know? This is mm-hmm. way better than placing bets in Vegas in the sense that, you get to see these kids really uh, mature and get better and then maybe some hyped up prospect that was talked about like he was you know the next Floyd he takes this huge fall we've seen it happen over yeah. the years you know it's really sad unfortunate sometimes those guys rebuild but boxing is a painful painful sad but beautiful sport and we're going to cover all those emotions and all those new guys coming up and uh, dissect it as much as we can Definitely.
0: And to give you guys, you know, a little more bang for your buck here on the first episode, we did have a topic, you know, planned here today. And um, I figured I'd kind of, you know, give you a prompt here, Nick, and I'll let you, you know, go ahead and take the first crack at it. Um, you know, there's there's this phrase that's thrown around a lot, and forgive me if I'm not saying it perfectly, um, but the idea that, you know, sometimes a challenger needs to do something extra to really take a belt from, you know, the champion. So, You know, maybe he's not going to knock him out, but he needs to, you know, really show that he's he's got better stats in the fight if it goes 12 rounds. And the reason why I ask you this is because last night we saw with Canelo and Plants, we... I I went online quite a bit afterwards after the fight was over, and I noticed actually a lot of people said, you know, Caleb Plant seems uh, might have been up on points. Mm -hmm. Had he gone 12 rounds, you know, would it have been worth a draw? Or, you know, did he bring enough? Or would he simply not win because he just didn't do that much? And so I was thinking maybe we could try to define what people mean by that statement and see how it applied to last night.
1: Right, right. I think the statement can be overused emotionally by fans. If you're going to be a fan of Plant, it's not going to take a lot for Plant to win on points. If you're a fan of Canelo, it's not going to, you know, vice versa. So I think it's it's just about finding that balance, just being honest about the, the, the harder work that's being done. The thing about last night's fight, I think Plant, Saunders, they have this commonality where they're throwing out punches, jabs on the back foot. They land. They land on Canelo. Mm -hmm. I don't think they do anything to damage him. And that's the question we have to be concerned about. Because, listen, I mean, you can have a speedy guy come out there and just throw volume, kind of like Leo Santa Cruz against Tank. Mm -hmm. He was racking up points, you know what I mean? But at the same time, clearly not causing damage if Canelo and Tank can get those sort of KOs in those later rounds, you know, because if it's legitimate damage, you're broken down by that point. And uh, I just think I, as far as the points go, I don't think personally I would have put him up on points. I don't know what the scorecard was, the unofficial scorecard, but I can imagine that um, I think Canelo was up because he was advancing judges love aggression and he was landing the much harder shots. I mean, it's, it wasn't just the arena and the who's and the ha's. It was the punches. You can hear them. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think Plant would have walked out with a unanimous decision. That That's my conclusion personally. And I, and I don't think it would have been deserved either. I don't think he was taking it from Canelo. I do think the phrase is overused. Uh, but in in last night's case, I don't think he took it from Canelo, just on a fair basis. You know, even even if good, he had made yeah. it to twelve rounds, uh, I didn't see it like that. The harder punches, the damage was coming from Canelo. What do you think?
0: Well, really good points there. Um, I agree. I do think the phrase is overused because, but I also think it needs to be a little bit more defined because I think what people are getting at is that. You should it, it, sometimes it, it makes you think that, like, oh, you have to get at least a knockdown in there, right? To win unanimous decision, right? But that's not fair because a lot of boxers just it's just not their style, right? Everyone knows that some people are all about hitting and not getting hit and winning on points, and that is how they excel in their careers. So, I don't think that every single boxer, you know, needs to knock down a champion in order to win a unanimous decision. But I do think, like you're saying, it cannot be, it can't be bullshit. It's got to be, like, some significant stuff. It needs to be flush shots that people are seeing often. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, actually, there was an unofficial scorecard last night, and Plant had maybe one round given. It was probably Steve Farhoods, and I think he gave Plant – um round two and everything else to canelo which is kind of how i was seeing it yeah. like, even though plant had some beautiful combinations in there um and he was working that jab kind of beautifully yeah. just like you'd, you'd want a coach would want you to um it just nothing looked ever like it it, it. I think there was one moment towards the end of the fight where Canelo was like, okay, you got me. And he kind of like steamed up and, and, you know, did a little loop and came right back and like really gave it to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought Canelo was just in control of that fight the entire time. Um, I'm glad he got, you know, the, uh, the knockdown at yeah. the end because I didn't want it to be controversial.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. To touch on that last point you made, I was, you know, I, I was so excited because you don't, you want to be, you want it to be definitive because there's always mm-hmm. talk about. A Canelo you can't win a Canelo fight on the judge's scorecard, which is also, by the way, baloney. I mean, you know, there's only a couple <laughs> of bad cards throughout his whole career, really. I mean, the guy the guy wins. You can talk about the Laura fight on points. If you look back on that, it's not like Laura ran away from it. It was a close fight. You know, and uh but last night I think Plant aside from the jab, for me, just not a lot of sustained damage. You know, he just was not
0: Yeah. I mean, exactly. It's
1: also credit to Canelo. I mean, he's just a strong, thick dude.
0: He's a little tank. Ten- yeah. Natural
1: strength for boxing, and you can see it. Thick legs. You know, Plant's a little leaner, a little uh, taller. And you saw that play out. You know, he he played that bull yep.
0: beautifully. So, Plant really came to fight, though, which he came to fight in, in that he let his hands fly enough. Yes which people are always saying, why don't you do that against Canelo? Why don't you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something that I wish Triple G had really done in their last fight. Yes. Like, let your hands fly more. And he wasn't running plants. He, You know, he he was an, he kept his distance, you know, in a smart way. Yeah. Um, but he was still throwing punches. Like, he was fine taking some, too. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being, you know, the end of his demise. But it was nice to see plants, you know, not try to do what Billy Joe Saunders was, which was really keep off you know, keep off the grass and then then punch where you can. He was just like, let's go. I've got a chin. Uh, I'll take your shots and I'll do my best here to kind of bring it. Um, But I was worried that had that gone 12 rounds, Plant would have been like, I thought I won. I thought I won.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, because it just depends on – what you like. I know that's often overused as well when you, if you've been watching boxing as long as we have, but it's true, you know, styles make fights and sometimes the guy advancing isn't causing a lot of damage, but in last night's case, he was. And even though the punch count, like you saw like plant putting those hands out there on his back foot. Anytime he was getting pressured by Canelo, but the one, but 10 of those for me, did not count for the mm-hmm. same as one of those brutal body shots that Canelo threw yeah. once he had him cornered. That's what we remembered, you know, and and rightfully so. definitely because when you're getting just pitter pat pat like that, I'm not saying all of them were weak shots. Some of them were really beautiful jabs. I mean, he popped his mm-hmm. Canelo's head back. I, I don't want to take away from Caleb, but there was a lot of that flashy pop, pop peep, 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 peep pop you know in between mm-hmm. that. Good point. It's not, you know, that that's like smoke and mirrors. And then Canelo is just bringing the real heat. And, uh, yeah, you know, you touched on something too, uh, the Triple G fight. This is just real quick, I just want to get an idea from you. Mike Coppinger with ESPN sat down with the panel, and he said and he was saying he would love to see Triple G and Canelo do it one more time. What's your take on that?
0: Oh, I would love that fight. I, it's... I. I would love to see the fight. I don't think if I'm Triple G, I would not want that fight. I think you've got enough people saying, bro, it wasn't a draw the first fight. You won that one. And then Canelo, I do personally think, won the second one. I remember being disappointed as a huge Triple G fan once that fight ended and just being like, yeah, I don't think you did enough. I think Canelo gets that win. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be mad at that at all. But I, But And my next question for you actually was just going to be like, what do you think is the perfect recipe for beating Canelo for any fighter? I don't think Triple G has that recipe in store for us, not as he's getting older sure
1: yeah i uh I, I i actually disagreed with mike i don't think it creates a lot of interest at this point given g- triple g's age and also um i don't know i mean he just don't you feel like he just isn't very relevant when you hop on uh social media you don't see anything cooking for triple g you don't you know there i mean it's it's just been kind of his fault kind of a quiet time you know and uh, he is getting mm-hmm. older and his last couple of opponents are just not memorable um in any way so he's not i don't i I don't want to see it. Is my point i'd much rather yeah see, uh, you know jermall or um and maybe a boo-boo andre get in there those guys are some serious fighters but you know I, I won't hold my breath but as far as beating canelo um you have to have power you absolutely have to have power. Mm. that's your foundation interesting on top you everything you're going to do to canelo has to be built on power because as you can see from his last few fights saunders no power plan not naturally powerful like you know those guys can put in work but you need to have serious power like my guy david benavides you know that's that's probably the only super middleweight i can think of that could hold him back because if you're going to let him push you into these corners at every angle of the ring what, I mean, that's going to be the story of every fight from Canelo from here on. You have to have people yeah. to keep him on you. You have to get his respect. I don't think any of the last few fighters have gotten his respect. He just walks through what they have to offer. What's your take on it?
0: Well, I like that. I actually, you know, I wasn't really thinking that, but it makes perfect sense. because. Um, my my initial thoughts are we look at billy joe saunders and we look at plant and we say hey they those guys kind of came close to lasting 12 rounds if it weren't for this for the for getting knocked out right so eventually canelo gets i wouldn't say lucky but he gets to the point where he can get close enough and knock them out mm-hmm. whereas if these guys if they ran a little more if they kept their distance they might easily make it 12 rounds you know, give or take here. I just think if you, if you bring in, I mean, I I hate to go back to Floyd, but he is the only one that beats has beaten Canelo. You know, how do you have someone that can really run around the ring while also giving, you know, a huge performance in in, in hitting Canelo and landing flush shots Mm -hmm. um, and, and then make it all 12 rounds. And I think instead of, instead of the running aspect to it, like you're saying, power might be the answer to it. Um, and that's why I'm glad you brought up Venavitas because he might be next, even though he doesn't really have anything to offer yeah. Canelo. The other two ones that I think about are Viterbiev and Bivol, Oof. you know, him going back up to light heavyweight and saying, look, I could, I, I took Kovalev. Let me really challenge myself here mm-hmm. as opposed to going for someone you probably think you could beat and saying, Hey, you know, take arm bival, take arm Viterbiev because those guys are real undefeated champions at light heavyweight.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, better be a... And Bivol, you talk about movement, you know, that he would give Canelo angles and feet all night. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, those would be some challenges that I could definitely see. I would like to see before him moving up to light heavyweight, him fighting a guy like Benavidez, but you're right, you know, belts talk and Canelo's not just gonna fight a contender if you don't have a strap. He's not. It's uh and, and I don't blame the guy. At this point, you know, would Floyd do that? Of course he wouldn't, you know. It's it's uh exactly. you have to think <laughs> about the number one pound for pound in the world does have special treatment and he's earned it, you know. I mean it's absolutely yeah. you're you're going for belts, you're going for legacy. Uh, I really hope David could snatch up a belt, man, because I if he, when he's focused and he's not messing around, that kid is really dangerous, and he can put together combinations, and he's big, and you know,
0: yeah, big in the very big,
1: like like Plant last night was six one, you know, on 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 paper he looked big, but once mm. you see in there the camera, Canelo's just a stout, big dude, man. Even with those size measurements, those size differences. Benavides is actually, like, solid strong. He can stand his ground strong, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that could be really compelling, and power will not be an issue for either man in that fight.
0: Canelo just stays in such good shape year-round. Have you ever seen him remotely look like he just finished a pizza and a beer?
1: (laughs) No, man, he's absolute savage, absolute uh, committed to the game, always just ripped up. It's nuts, man
0: that's something that really needs to be respected more too is how, because it's, it shows how serious you're make you're taking your career Mm -hmm. because it's not just like, Oh, I just finished the fight time to get fat for a little bit. And then, you know, when camp comes back, I'll do it, you know, I'll get back in shape. Like, I don't think that has ever been Canelo's attitude. I think it's like, you know, I need to be ready to go, even though I'm only fighting two, maybe three times a year, Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay in shape, you know, year round. And, you know, I was watching the, the Showtime all access, uh, episodes leading yeah. up to the fight and you know he's playing golf and he talks about how it's so important for his his mental game um, when it comes to boxing and uh, I just think Canelo is like doing what LeBron James does he's just taking the extra steps outside of you know the the, the ring to make sure that he's just this top-notch athlete
1: yeah yeah you're, you're so right man that's that's a great point too just because uh what you, you boxing is a lifestyle in many ways because it's such a brutal sport. You have to keep yourself in tip top shape to promote longevity, um, and also to you know to add to that, just being a good human being. You know, he's a family man. He uh, he just he takes time to spend with his family. He he does the work. He takes time to spend with his friends. He's got a what seems to be from the outset as a fan. From what we see, a very balanced life. And that's, important, mm. you know what I mean? I mean, history has taught us that, if you, I mean, if you're out there partying, if you're, you know, running around from girl to girl and you're a boxer, those distractions will fill that up. Absolutely. You have mm. to have like a solid foundation, a base to, to really get far in this game. So much of your outside life affects that what happens in that ring. And I think Canelo recognizes that he didn't want to be a, you know, he could be a, dumb brash you know rich kid and go live the life but he's really settled into being a real solid dude and I think that's going to pay off tremendously in his career
0: Mm, good points Nick yeah well you know we're getting to that 30 minute mark here I figure I'd finish with you know what do you we kind of touched it already but you know what's next for Canelo um what do you think he's realistically gonna do
1: yeah I think um you know what you brought up? Better be and and Bivol. Those are real, real tangible challenges for Canelo. Um, at super middle, I don't know what he has left. Do you know any? What, what's your take on this?
0: I mean, yeah, he's unified. That was the point, right? I think he vacates them. Yeah. But I don't know if he goes to ever or, or Bivol. He's not going to um, 160. That's for sure. Yeah, no. Too I, well, there is the Jamal Charlo. I mean, I yeah, that there that still exists. That Jamal Charlo has needs a big name. Triple G sure doesn't seem to acknowledge him, and if he's not gonna get that fight, right. it Canelo's probably the next one. I don't know if Canelo wants to challenge himself going back to light heavyweight and fighting those shams. I don't know if I get that vibe from him ever Yeah, that he really, really wants to like step it up a notch and, you know, take on a fight where he might not be the favorite going into it. For sure. And that's not to say, you know, Canelo's one big pussy or anything. I just don't know if, if he sees it as worth his time, yeah. or if that's just what he wants in this life, if he wants to take on the biggest challenges, knowing that he could easily, you know, lose a couple more times, or maybe not at all. Sure. Um, but that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see him go to light heavyweight and really challenge someone.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I think he I think he gets past Bivol um, just because he's so great at cutting off the ring. Better be if would probably be the single most interesting fight out there for him right now, because mm. that guy is just an animal. Um, he's he's getting older himself, but when you look at how he's built, very similar to Canelo, naturally very thick, strong, explosive power, and I mean that would. I'd pay good money to see that, man.
0: (laughs) I know. That's one I'd like to go to. Jeez, that's a fight. That's
1: a challenge for both men. That would be top of the marquee. And it would also bring uh, Better B.F. into the mainstream. A lot of people don't know Artur Better B.F. If you don't, check him out. He's the 175-pound, I believe, unified champion. And he is just an absolute savage, that
0: man. Yep. Yeah. Well, and back to Benavides. Does Benavides stand a chance? canelo yeah
1: i think he does as long as he he he, you know that outside life we're talking about it seems like it's coming together for him now but he can't have Mm -hmm. any more mishaps he's young and he's got to stay focused and and really and and, but you know it looks like he's doing well he became a father and uh, he's always in the gym you know i'm seeing a lot of Mm -hmm. yeah he is a lot of positive stuff coming from uh what i see on on his social media so it's it's good it's looking good i think he can i think he's young and strong and and uh, people are meant to evolve, and I think Benavides is evolving.
0: If he doesn't get the Canelo fight, do you think that we realistically will get Plant versus Benavides ever, which a lot of people have wanted?
1: Mm, man, you brought up a great fight right there. I think that's on the horizon for sure. Now Plant doesn't have a belt; they're both they're both beltless. They they might want to buy for that number one contender spot. You know, maybe get a get a rematch for Plant. Although we all know KOs are pretty definitive in this game, but uh, ben- yeah. Benavides for sure, man. Um, I think I think it could be a, I think it could be a great fight. Plant Benavides, I'd pay pay per view money for that. Just, yeah, just give it, me like, too. Given the context and the narrative of their relationship, ooh, that'd be spicy, bro.
0: Yeah, and to be honest, I wanted them to duke it out first, and the winner got Canelo. that, you know we didn't get that so i do i think that's i think that's how you get big time redemption for plants i could see plant working his way on the outside and and coming and, and being victorious in that one even though i'd probably be rooting for Benavitas in that fight um but i think that that's fireworks and i really hope that that gets done at some point Oof, yeah now you got me thinking about that fight man hopefully it does come <laughs> to material Cool. Well, anyway, that that's a wrap for our first episode, man. This is awesome. I'm glad to be chatting with you, and I hope you know, some other listeners kind of dig this and and you know maybe want to chime in in the comment section at some point. But um, you know, I'm excited for episode two, and you know that'll probably be coming out sooner than we think. So uh, appreciate your time today, Nick, and always a pleasure chatting with appreciate
1: you. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, definitely stoked to talk about some stuff next week.
0: Cool. Until then.
1: All right, brother. Take